Hey everyone, welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. My name is Tim Chelsvik. Across the table from me, Mr. Matt Drury. What's up, what's up? It's deer season. It is, and but it's kind of I haven't hunted one. for like 10 days, it seems like, because I'm tagged out in Missouri on, on buck tags anyways, and then on the doe mm-hmm. side of things, we'll probably head back up late season to dads to try to continue and manage and then of course we're always trying to manage the lease and we got too many does there as well so uh coming up here we have the antlerless season in missouri Mm -hmm. and i know i got a couple guys i'll be hunting in illinois but i got a couple guys that uh will be hunting the antlerless in missouri so we'll see uh if we have any luck anyways we need to kill a few does yeah and i just need to kill period (laughs) but but you know i'll take my headphone out too because we don't have a guest today it's just (laughs) we we are we are the show um I, you, you and I were talking a couple of days ago about my experience taking my daughter hunting for the first time. She's She'll be seven on November 30th. She took a shot. Uh, we had plenty of deer movement. We hunted on a Saturday night and then a Sunday morning. I popped up a blind underneath the cedar tree. And it was a spot where I'd seen, I know that does kind of hang out there. They, they filter out. There's some big oak trees where they filter out to feed on the acorns in the evening. So I thought this is going to be, because at the very least, when you take a kid out, you want them to at least see something. Because Absolutely. If they're not seeing deer, they're not coming back. Exactly. Yeah. They have to have some level of success. And yeah. so, um, so we got set up and we were probably in the blind for maybe a half hour and for folks that have been listening to the show for any length of time this season, they know that it's been a less than stellar season for me. It's been a hard one. I've killed a doe and that's it. Normally by this time of, yeah, I've, I've at least punched a, a, a buck tag. Yeah. Um, yeah, but your properties this year, you, you know, you lost one of your good spots and uh-huh. it's just not as, uh, not as ripe for the picking as they have been in the past, yeah, it, it sounds like. exactly. My tra- my trail camps have not been showing the kind of deer that I'd hoped to see. And, and I did pass on, on a buck early in the season that I'm kind of like – kind of kicking myself now for passing on but so so we're in the blind with my daughter and you know we, she's shooting an ar it, it's in 223 which is a small caliber but she's you know almost seven years old she's really small and you know people say like why do you need an ar you don't need it's an assault rifle and there's no such there's no such thing as an assault rifle but she's small she needs a small caliber and because no it's, kick, basically exactly it's like shooting yeah, a 22 exactly exactly and so she's less afraid of, she shoots it better we had a buck that was probably pushing 120 step out within the first half hour of us sitting there and tears are starting to come out of her eyes i'd never seen this happen to her before but they were tears of excitement she was so excited about there being a deer and her being potentially able to take it that's awesome and so didn't get set up on that deer had another uh, a spike come through that she did get set up on took a shot but we both had our, our hearing protection on and we were kind of whispering loud to one another. Like this. Exactly. And that deer is kind of looking around and kind of figuring out what's going on. He was taking a step away to leave. She said it was a good hit, but we just never found any blood. And that 223 round's kind of small. Were you filming? I was, yeah. What happened there? Yeah. Guy? Yeah. So <laughs> the deer, the deer we was. We do kinda, this for a living. Come on. Oh, man. It, it was it was one of those things where, like, the filming aspect was just gravy. If, if she could. Out the window. It, yeah. If, if she could kill, I was happy with that. Yeah. If I got footage, that was just a bonus. 
Uh, the deer was cleanly behind a part of the blind, but we were able to see the footage after the fact to see, you know, as the deer ran off, it was pretty thick in there and he just didn't look like he was injured. So I, I, I think it was a clean miss. Um, but she was so excited. Then we had another opportunity the next morning. Cause you, you didn't find any blood or any hair, no blood, no hair, yeah. no anything. And we spent probably, I don't know, maybe two hours walking around looking for the deer the next morning. Yeah. So, so while it wasn't uh, a success, a successful harvest, I think it's a successful hunt because she's definitely sold on it and wants to do it again. I'd say so. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we got some great footage, some great pictures and it's just cool spending time with your kid in the blind. This is my first time deer hunting with my daughter and it's something that frankly i've been looking forward to ever since i was a kid myself yeah yeah it's pretty special i know you know when we took cameron out and that was in september so you you're braver than i which you had a pretty warm it weekend was, yeah pretty so balmy. conditions are, are good from a standpoint of having a child sit out there for any length of time right. and not freezing but we we took cameron out you know we talked about on the podcast before that was you know early season september you know missouri season just came in i think it was like the first or second weekend there Mm -hmm. and so it was really warm it was almost too warm in a lot of ways and we had that encounter with that deer i call kevin yep it was a split brow uh just a really pretty pretty uh frame on him kevin because the minion right yeah it it sounds weird talking about shooting kevin shooting kevin yeah so we we (laughs) kept so cameron was in the blind and and we talk about having those items for a kid to to keep hold their interest, yeah, you know, because there's a lot of time when there are no deer moving and there's nothing happening, and mm-hmm. it's boring. Test you your know. patience. Yeah, it's boring. It can get really boring for a kid. So, hey, we brought the iPad, we brought some headphones in, and he was watching Despicable Me three, and one of his favorite movies. And so, this deer comes out, you know, and he. I barely see it. It's kind of covered by a, a tree, and but I could with my little poles. I was like, "Hey, that's a good deer," mm-hmm. and I could see the split brows and the frame in general, and that nice buck. So I, I went over to camera and I said, "Hey, I'm, I'm gonna," you know, I took his headphones off. He looked at me like I had. <laughs> what one, did you do? One eye, you know, like <laughs> one of the. Minions. You're interrupting, Dad. And it, and it was just like I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna try shoot this. This is a shooter over here. I'm gonna try shoot this buck if he comes in. You want to come over and take a look at him?" And he just shook nah, his head no. I'm good. <laughs> like, like, go away. This is a really good part of the movie. Yeah, what are you and thinking? He had been great in the blind. This is the day two in the blind. Mm-hmm. And day one, he was he was really engaged and with the binoculars and looking sure. out the window. It was all and, new. And, and, and day two, it was like almost old hat already. <laughs> and he was like, day one, he really didn't mess with the iPad at all. How long were you guys in the blind day one? It was probably three hours. You it's know? a good long set. And, and day two, when we saw Kev, the deer, we ended up calling Kevin. It was probably four hours, three and a half hours anyways. And mm-hmm. so he had started a movie when we got in the blind. And that was probably the, the mistake on my part of starting a movie because he, he's one of those kids that he wants to sit through and he's watch engrossed. it. He's So he got sucked into that. And he looked at me like I had one eye. And one of the minions is called Kevin. So I, I just... I just said, all right, we're going to name this deer Kevin to try to continue Worlds to keep collide. him engaged. Yep. And he, he did – that did interest him in the weeks after that because I kept going back up to dad's. And I had another encounter with the deer we called Kevin, you know, and so that interested it him while I was away like hey I saw Kevin again he's like oh really you know and so that was kind of neat and and then ultimately during the Missouri firearm season opening weekend I had a third encounter with Kevin and we killed Kevin and so this time we we weren't anywhere near where I 
had the well i shouldn't say that we weren't far from where we had the second encounter sure. with him but the first encounter we were a decent ways away from that and i guess it's all relative to a deer i mean they obviously move around and 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 travel the way they travel mm-hmm. so um i had killed gnarly and that was kind of the area that he was in kind of where i was hunting during gun season right. well anyway so we're sitting there and out pops you know, out pops Kevin about 200 yards away in the, on the edge of a, a tree line. So I did everything. I literally threw everything at the, but the kitchen sink at him. And it kept peaking, peaking his interest because he was kind of walking away. And he'd look back into the timber. And he'd, I'd, you know, I'd snort wheeze and he'd pop his head up. And he'd look over our direction. And the way that the lay of the land is there, I was hunting in a box blind. And it, the hill kind of rolls just lightly there where he couldn't see – you could clearly see from from where he was the bo- the top of the box blind, yep. but you couldn't see if there was a deer right under the uh, underneath it or whatever that's mm-hmm. making all this noise. And so that piqued his interest enough that he broke and he came another twenty yards, maybe. I mean, it was probably one eighty, one, yeah, maybe even one seventy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he came my way a decent amount, and uh, and so he was kind of heading our direction. And right when I was getting ready to shoot, he turned kind of inside out. It's like, all right, something's something's funky here. And he started heading back to the woods. Yeah. So I stopped him, took a shot. I hit him a little back. I hit him probably, I don't know, probably six, eight inches. So it's probably more than little. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. a shot I wanted at all. Sure. And so um, – I tried to follow up shot and missed him completely. And uh, after that, we saw the doe that he was with popped out of the timber and the follow up shot. And, and so it was the reason why he wasn't coming is he had a, a doe with him. Yeah, he had things to do. Yeah. And there was a little buck behind that doe. Literally, as soon as I shot the deer and he ran off Kevin, the, the, the doe pops out and here comes a little buck behind her. It was like. Thank you. <laughs> I'm free. <Yes. laughs> now it's my turn. Took out the patriarch. Yeah, now exactly. I get to rule the roost. So all was well that ended well. We gave him plenty of time to expire, and then we ended up finding him maybe 200, 250 yards from where I shot him sure. uh, the next the next day. So it was it, it was all fine, but um, it was kind of the end of the story of Kevin. But for me, it was an interesting – I wasn't expecting to see him in mm-hmm. this area whatsoever. And so it was interesting to see just what they do. And it was the rut, you know. Yeah. So you, There's a lot of wild cards in you there. You can see him anywhere, sure. you know. But it was a – it capped off a really – my best season ever. And it's not even over. I still got a couple of tags in Illinois, mm-hmm. but it, it, in Missouri it is over. And it's the best two deer I've ever shot uh, score-wise – 171 and six ace and 165 and and four ace and so it was a lot of bone in one season it is gonna be an expensive taxidermy bill but (laughs) i i mean it just it never happens to me so it it was really kind of uh take a victory lap man yeah yeah, it was it was one of those deals where it probably won't again but i'm soaking it in while i can yeah well and it it kind of it's a good lesson in in the fact that we have our own concepts and understandings on how deer move, but ultimately deer are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And so you try to have the most comprehensive understanding of what makes them move and where they're going to go. But you know, you also have to kind of take into account wild cards that you're not, that you're not really thinking about. Yeah. And that's, that kind of leads us into our Cabela's question of the day today from our listener, Nick. Yeah. So the question of the day is brought to you by Cabela's and Bass Pro. 
your one-stop shop for everything you can ever want. <laughs> Especially this time of year. Yeah, that's right. Getting I'm the going Christmas tomorrow, and... actually. Sweet. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know what size I wear, okay, so you can do your do. Christmas, Christmas shopping for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to Nick's question. Uh, all right. Hi. My name is Nick Yermovich. I am from Western Pennsylvania. My question for you is, when you're hunting a specific buck, um, like right now, I have an eight-point in my area. And he's probably a 160-inch deer, which is a monster for Pennsylvania. And he's he's hitting an acorn flat right now, and I don't think I have my stand hung in the right spot. Uh, I've hung a stand based on observed movement before, and I feel like they're, they're bypassing me, and uh, <clears throat> just just out of range. Should, so when should I move my set is my question. Uh, should I move it right away or should I wait and play out and see what these deer are doing? Thank you and love the show. We probably have, it's a great question. We probably have different viewpoints on it just based on how we hunt. You know, my, my viewpoint is to sit. I'm not an overly aggressive hunter and it's, it's usually sit and wait it out and, and then if I'm going to make a move, it's going to be the the off season. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to move, and, and if he says he's only got the one set, you know, and, and he wants to rehang it, yeah, uh, you know, I'd keep checking out the movement and the set he's got, and and then worry about rehanging it in the off season. Now, if you saw a shooter and he saw the big boys after, and he's had a couple encounters, or his trail cameras telling him like he's over here, and you got that good good intel. Then, you know, maybe you do make that move now, mm-hmm. you know, slip in midday, warm day or whatever it is. And, and, and when they're maybe not moving and try to be quiet and, and, and change your setup. But, you know, here we are, it's getting to be late season. And I, I you know, that for me, that's more of like a rut type of a move where you can get away with something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but like I said, I'm not the most aggressive hunter either. Yeah. I, I try to get all my setups done in the off season so that we can go in and, and, you know, hunt and not disturb the rest of the timber or wherever yeah. it's at. And, and that way I'm not putting too much scent down or disturbing too much. And um, so that that's kind of my approach. And I know yours is probably a little slightly different based yeah. on where you're hunting. And I, how you're I, hunting. I, I definitely like your approach and wish that that would work for me. But the properties I hunt are a little different. I can't, I don't have as much control over what happens there, nor do I have as much history on, on a lot of them. Many of them are small, are smaller yeah. kind of suburban parcels. Uh, so so what, what I do is I spend most of my time in a climber because I don't have I don't have permanent stands set up on on places where I know the deer are always going. So a lot of my hunts end up being uh, observation hunts also. And in addition to like, I'm still moving trail cameras around right now. I've got a farm in Bourbon, Missouri, where I've got three deer that are prospects for me to, to potentially kill. Um, and after firearm season, they just, you know, everything changes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm continuing to move trail cams around, but I'm also looking for a sign like old school, looking for, looking for tracks, looking for scat, uh, and, and, and kind of judging a path, a trail by how much, uh, by how much traffic it's getting as to whether or not it's going to be a high potential for me to go there. And so it's kind of, it's kind of old school and, and it's not ideal. And, and I'll, you know, sometimes just bring a saw 
with me and throw up a hang on um, uh, during uh, around noon and then just hunt it for the rest of the day it's a lot of work. It's so much work and I don't always look forward to it, but it's kind of what I do to kind of bounce around. And it's, I call it gorilla style deer hunting because you're really going in with everything that you need on your back and popping up. And I just, I feel like if, if I don't know where I'm going, (laughs) when I get to the property, the deer probably don't know where I'm going to be. And so there's kind of an element of surprise, but make no mistake, it's a lot of work. And and quite frankly, right now, I don't have much to show for it. So whether or not it's the best route, I, I don't know, but it's kind of, it's, it's what I'm doing. So in, in, in his situation, he's on that Oak flat, you know, we, we had a similar situation with, uh, the, the first year I killed this year, gnarly where we had a tree called Matt's killing tree. It was on a logging road and it was in an Oak flat and it's been there a decade, you know, it's, it's a spot where we're always, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, been historically really good. Uh, I've killed three bucks out of it. We just see a lot of movement. Well, dad had sat there last year and noticed the movement on the other side of the logging road and in this Oak flat. And he decided to add another set and mm-hmm. it was far enough away where, you know, it's hundred, maybe 70 yards, 80 yards away from where his Matt's killing tree is. Sure. So, you know, that was one of those instances where observed movement. He observed that they just were hitting a trail over there. That doesn't mean that the, Matt's killing tree was a bad spot because they still yeah, could have killed him there. He, he walked out in front of it. Actually, mm-hmm. it just, it just, you know, I, sometimes we can overthink ourselves. <laughs> I'll think ourselves, I think. And so, um, it proved to be the right move. We, we did see a lot of deer over here, but it, to me, it was almost like a different set of deer that were going, you know, a lot of does going mm-hmm. in front of the original set, going one way back to bed coming from food back to bed and then where we were sitting the new set it was like a whole different you know part of the deer herd going to a different bedroom Mm -hmm. and so i you know i don't know in his specific situation how many deer he has what his deer herds like how many acres he's got um but you know i i personally i think i would ride it out and and just let it you know let this part of the season go unless he's just not seeing any deer mm-hmm. whatsoever within bow range and every deer is over there then you know what maybe maybe spring for one more you know a climber or one more uh tree stand and and mm-hmm. i wouldn't necessarily move your other spot because that's right. what my point is i don't think that your original inclination on where to hang was a bad one mm-hmm. you know if you were having observed movement there time and time again it may be the right spot. It just isn't right this year. You almost think about like a, in terms of a satellite stand, like, you know, like this is a great spot yeah. for the majority of deer movement, but maybe there's one particular deer that just does not want to come in to this, you know, along the trail that you're set up on. Yeah. And so you set up satellite stands to, in order to get close enough. We did that on the lease on the spot. Adam Wainwright killed the 183 in a, in a ladder stand that we see. And I missed a deer there. We always see deer there, but you know, we felt like that spot needed to be moved. Literally, I think we moved 15, 20 yards max mm-hmm. into another tree that was just a little bit closer to where the bucks were traveling. Yep. And, and, and you know, it was funny because Aaron Bennett, one time he goes, well, you know, so we, we left the original set. Mm-hmm. And um, that we got two spots there, and they're right next to each other. But we felt like 
you know, hey, Aaron said he's like, well, he killed a 183 out of it. it, it <laughs> it's hard to argue with it results. It isn't wrong, and he's right. and he's correct. It's not a wrong spot, but there's so many times where a buck was just out of bow range. Mm-hmm. It's a thick timber spot, and, and and it was just out of range. So by moving that set or adding another set, it puts us in a little bit better position. So mm-hmm. maybe you know. But but I did that in the off season. I mean, that was years of us seeing that sure. movement. Years of us seeing that movement, and we decided finally let's add another set. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I, I I would personally wait it out, but that's just me. And time of the season matters. So it does. Uh, so so last year uh, hunting a property that I knew it was late season. I knew that was probably the last year I was going to get to hunt that property. We had a mid one fifties buck came out. We were on doe patrol. And my camera guy, my buddy Josiah, still had an unfilled buck tag. And so as that that buck approached, I kind of begrudgingly handed him my bow and let him kill that deer. And and, and that was that was a, a pop up uh, a climber stand situation. But it was it was late season, and I knew I wasn't going to be back. So that changed our strategy. Sure. I probably would have let had, had I known I would be back next year. I probably would have let that deer go. As we approached late season, and maybe. Maybe Nick is getting a little more anxious about filling his tag. Maybe he does get more aggressive. Yeah. And there's a couple other things that probably are not going to be very popular, but are things you can do if you're not, if you don't feel like you're set up exactly in the right spot, you can try to increase your effective range with your bow and practice out to uh, practice out a, a little farther or and crossbow see. if it's legal or a crossbow. Yeah. Still, still get within the archery, uh, the archery season. But the other thing is if you really want to get aggressive, and this is one of the tactics I'm going to do on my farm is I'm going to leave my security blanket in the tree and I'm going to sit a few times on the ground and that that's tough. That wigs <laughs> me out. Yeah. Um, because I've grown up hunting out of tree stands. Um, but tree stands are, in the scheme of things, became popular in the 70s and kind of have increasingly become so. I think blinds are becoming, I think people are yeah. kind of rediscovering blinds now. But if you're set up right, if you play the wind right and you've got something to break up your outline and you think about your movement before you need to make it, you know, wait for the deer's head to pass behind a tree or some brush to, to disguise your movement, you can do that. And, and you don't have to have a stand with you. So you're a lot lighter a lot more nimble, but the trade-off is you lose that kind of grace, that margin of error of being up above them. The wind isn't as much of a factor when you're up higher. So so hunting from the ground is a potential strategy, but it is not without its risks. Yeah, I mean, if you got a gun in hand, I think it's one thing to hunt from the ground, and that's a way that a lot of people grew up hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with a bow... There's a lot of ways it could go wrong. I mean, just having that range of motion to draw. Yep. To, I mean, you know, now if you're out of a, a blind, it's a little different. And, and maybe that's an option for him. Move over to where he's wanting to hunt and you pop up a little pop-up blind and brush brush it in really good. And maybe mm-hmm. that is an option because you can get away with murder right. out of a pop-up right. blind. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Now, I know some guys in some areas are like, man, if you put a pop-up blind, you know, the deer will wig out and run for miles. And I, I guess it's it's area dependent. Maybe. I've not had those know. reactions. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's, he's in PA, so maybe that maybe mm-hmm. that didn't fly as, as well there. So that's always an option, a pop-up blind. You know, a couple yeah. hundred bucks and you got something that's really portable and, and you could pop up and take anywhere with you and put, put anywhere and 
it really helps increase your odds on position, stand mm-hmm. position. So. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with your personality. Are you are you more aggressive? Yeah. Or are you passive? Or are you just, are you you stick with a good thing and? Yeah, that's Mark and Terry to a T right there because Mark is super aggressive and Dad is a very passive, in my opinion, a very passive hunter. He's he's um, he'll wait and and just kind of wait it out and observe and observe and observe and then it's the following year that he makes yeah. his move on a deer. And maybe that's what's happening here. You know, maybe this guy's scouting a little bit for next year and what's going on. I mean, nobody wants to do that mm-hmm. while you're in the mix sure. of it. You want to sure. play your tag. Uh, but different hunting styles, that's probably why I've, I'm a little more passive as well, just seeing dad, you know, hunting style over the years a little more closely than Mark's. But Mark's super aggressive. He'd probably say, no, you got to crash gotta in there. Yep. You got to move, you know. But but he's smart about it. He, he doesn't just, you know – he doesn't just make a move to move to do it. Mm-hmm. He knows he's got a buck somewhere that is his target animal that's right. doing a certain thing over and over and over. And that's when he makes his move. Yeah. I, I, I think it's helpful to talk out your plans with your friends because that's the fun part. you can, it, it is. And they can also tell you if it's stupid, you know, <laughs> what, what you think Because sometimes just saying something out loud yeah. helps you to hear just, well, okay, maybe that doesn't, maybe that's not a realistic plan. I, it's funny. Cause when we're at hunting camp, we will, especially dads, we, and over at Jim Tomey's, we do the same thing, but we will sit up and for hours and hours and hours, we'll look at the wind, we'll look at the mm-hmm. forecast, we'll look at deer cast, and then it'll be like, all right, here's our choices. Here's where we should sit. Boom, 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 boom. And then we end up flipping a coin. All that planning's out the window. And then we'll figure out where we're going. And then the next morning when we wake up, dad always changes his well mind and that's what happened with with, with uh with your buck gnarly yeah. right i mean yeah 5 a.m he makes yeah. a, a, a call and based on reconnex pictures from the year before you mm-hmm. know and, and a little bit of what what a current card pull but but in general you know he's just always analyzing and overthinking mm-hmm. or i don't know that's overthinking because a lot of times that will make it like right it was move, just about right yeah at the time when we're when we're in the that conversation i always get annoyed by it because it's like come on dude make up make up your mind like i wanted to sit here this is my reasoning and he'll be like ah let's try this and you know sometimes i'll do what i want sometimes i'll take his advice i should probably always take his advice (laughs) father knows best he does (laughs) but you know you got to make your own mistakes or your own choices a lot of times too it's the only way you're going to grow and yeah you know that's kind of how you develop your gut you know people sometimes think of your gut instinct as just a whimsical thing but i think you you develop your gut based on your experience oh for sure mark and dad built a 30-year business out of gut instinct i mean that's we've made a lot of decisions you know the first 15 years was a a lot of decision making obviously without me it was just those two going Mm -hmm. with their gut decision and and in the last 15 years the three of us together have made a lot of decisions based on our on our gut and so you, you can't know, discount it. Whether it's business or hunting or whatever, a lot of times you you should follow it. There was there was one time I, I was I was hunting a, a property and I I was in my climber and I got a quarter of the way up the tree and I was looking around because I like to look I like to look around as I'm going up the tree sure. just to look at what my shot options are like and there was a small maple tree that was just to my west that I thought. Ah. Man, I I would have so much more shooting opportunities if that tree wasn't there. So I climbed down. wasn't all the way up, but but I climbed down. It was still kind of a hassle. It would have been easier for me just to go up, climb down, 
cut that that tree down, climbed back up, got set up, and at last light, a buck came through that I would that walked right where that tree had been. Would not have killed him had I not cut that down. Nice. And so that's like, oh, okay, maybe I do know what I'm doing a little bit, and 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 that's just a reaffirmation that go with your gut. Yeah. Whether you can articulate why, sometimes it's best just to go with that. For sure. I don't know if we're helping this poor guy out. At- <laughs> we're just kind of t- tell him, we can follow your dreams, go with your heart. Yeah, this is the same conversation <laughs> he'd be having with his buddies. And, and you know, he's like, well, I think I should do this, this, or this. And they're like, yeah, I think those are all great ideas. <laughs> the, 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 the challenge with deer hunting is it's hard to say that it's hard to say that there's a wrong move. There are certainly better moves and there are moves that tell it's like, you know, when Albert Einstein said he discovered a hundred some different ways of how not to invent a light bulb yeah. or something like that. Uh, so, so hopefully you learn on every sit and, th- and that's, so it's not a failure. You're just dialing in. Last piece of advice I'd give him is potentially trying to set up a trail camera somewhere in that area. If he can get in or get out, you know, not, mm-hmm. not mess up the area too much with a scent. But that's one other option is let your tra- trail camera, if he can, if he can get one, uh, do some of the decision making for you, you know, cause it, that's, that's not going to lie. It's mm-hmm. going to tell you for the most part of yep. what's there. If you got it set up right and, and, you know, hitting a trail or whatever the case may be. So it's one more thought. The other thought I would have is uh, he say he was on an acorn flat. Is there still a lot of acorns? I mean, you know, if there's still a lot of food source there for him and there's not a lot of food around him, then still going to be in the area. They're going to be that they're going to mm-hmm. be hitting that. So yep. maybe you would want to move. I mean, you just got, you got to make those kind of choices based on a lot of factors and we don't have all the, mm-hmm. all, all those, um, all those factors to right. tell them exactly what right. to do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just no, uh, there's no substitute for logging time in the woods. There really there, isn't. Yeah. I, you, you know, those observed movements and, and you really don't know that kind of stuff. Trail camera helps a lot, but you don't know even where to exactly always put the camera mm-hmm. until you observe movement. A deer I, walks behind the trail, uh, behind the camera. And yeah. You, you, you think never you got nothing. Mm-hmm. So that, the, the, the lease actually is kind of picked up you know, late October, it started getting really good with pictures. And we moved, you know, to to scrape sites and we've moved to a a spot on the farm that historically I hadn't had a camera in a long time. And, Mm -hmm. and it was showing daylight of every shooter we had, you know, it's like, okay, so is it, is it that you don't have deer or is it that you aren't in the right spot Mm -hmm. to see or get pictures of those deer? So in this case, I wasn't in the right spots and, you know, now, now I I, it, it doesn't matter now because I, I can't hunt it, <laughs> but, right, right, right. Out. <laughs> but I'm going to try to get, you know, Trevor on one or a couple of the guys that helped me out a lot yeah. on the farm, trying to get them on deer. And so there's still hope that we, we kill something on that lease this year. Sure. Sure. I think we probably solved Nick's problem right there and yeah. all the problems of the world yeah, as, as we always. normally do on we're the show. We're pretty good, I think, at this. <laughs> <laughs> I heard we're the best. From what? From, From my mom. Yeah, there you go. She <laughs> loves the show. <laughs> my mom won't listen to any of it. <laughs> you know, my wife could care less yeah. about, about about deer hunting. and. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, I, Mark's wife, Tracy, dad's wife, Willa, my wife, Miranda, they none really could care less about the hunting mm-hmm. aspect of it. They're obviously... Um, interested in the business side and what, you know, what, what's happening with sure. us and, and they care, but the hunt, they're just not hunters. And I, it's crazy to think that the three of us, all three found people that just don't, <laughs> which, which may be a good thing, uh, you know, because you have to have people in your life that 
can shoot straight with you and aren't enamored by what you do. <laughs> they are not enamored, but they'll shoot us straight, believe me. Like, yes. I'm like, hey, this is awesome. What do you think? Take you down a few rungs yeah. and we come home. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's a reality of not everybody in the world is a hunter. That's right. Yep. We, we surround ourselves with so many hunters and like-minded people that it's interesting, you know, to think, okay, not everybody does this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some people that are kind of anti this, and some people that just couldn't couldn't give a rip about it. That's where all three of our wives stand. They just don't. They just mm-hmm. don't care to do it themselves. I, you know, I my wife, I bet she couldn't sit out in a tree more than twenty minutes yeah. without being bored to tears. Mm-hmm. So I think it's as much about that as anything. Well, speaking of bored to tears, <laughs> <laughs> our audience. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we shut you? this thing down? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's time to wrap things up when you're getting bored yourself <laughs> so so uh we well, we, well, it's probably 20 minutes late then. <laughs> yeah a little bit um uh, but we, we do appreciate folks listening nick thank you for the question we appreciate it if you have a question that you want answered on the show or you just want us to kick it around a little bit uh go to uh the website dreyoutdoors.com slash podcast and you can uh click the send a voicemail tab and leave us a quick name and uh, location and we will talk about your question on the air and we'll try to get an expert in today we were the experts but we'll try to get some kind of nationally known expert (laughs) sorry nick you get your money back man (laughs) but uh but do make sure that you uh that you check that out and um and that you subscribe to the show on itunes google play store all those places where you normally get podcasts we appreciate you uh subscribing it's the best way to get the show because it automatically loads up in your podcast app as soon as it publishes. Absolutely. If you want to stay up to date with all things Drury Outdoors, of course, you can follow along on YouTube, the Drury Outdoors YouTube channel. We we, hit, made, uh, we did. We hit 100,000 yeah, subscribers. Awesome. And so we've reached out to the guy that won the bow. He's getting it. So as soon as he gets the bow, we'll do a whole special video and stuff with him. So that was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. And thank you, everybody that has su- subscribed. Yeah. It really means a lot to us. And, of course, new DOD TV is always going up. Uh, you can check us out on at Drury Outdoors on all social channels and DeerCast. Go download it if you haven't. We're you know reaching for the stars with this puppy, and it's so far so so good. Really, I mean the response has been fantastic this this fall, and it's continuing to be. It's fantastic. it's just it's humbling. It, it it really is. We we had no idea what it was going to do, how, what the response was going to look like, but. Everyone that is in there and engaging and looking at things and using it and killing deer with it, yeah, it's it's such a cool feeling. Absolutely. So if you haven't, check it out. And uh, we got some cool things coming for Gen Two on on Deercast that I think people are really mm-hmm. gonna like as well. Tease, so, tease. That's right. Like a year tease because it's gonna <laughs> <Right>. be a while. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but they'll find out sooner rather than later yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, uh, hope everybody that's still out there grinding <laughs> is having and some listening. luck, like Tim, and uh, is gonna have some luck because I know Tim will. Thank sooner you. Or later. That's right. And uh, be safe. See ya. Peace. We're adding new videos every week, so make sure to click that subscribe button and check out all of our amazing content. This episode of DOD TV was brought to you by Muddy Outdoors.